Micah chapter 7, and um, we've got about two weeks here in Micah chapter 7 as we finish up the book, and then in, what is next month? September? <laughs> in September, um, we're going to be starting a new series, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm actually really, I'm really excited about this series because um, we're going to take a book of the Bible and we're going to have three different guys preach through the book of the Bible. And uh, so my dad is going to preach through a few chapters, Brother Joel is going to preach through a few chapters, and I'm going to preach through a few chapters. And uh, so I think that's going to be a really, uh, really neat study. And uh, so I, I don't think you, I don't, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, but uh, so we're actually going to be taking the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to go through the book of Hebrews, and, which is just a really fascinating book uh, in and of itself. And uh, so that's going to be that's going to be really great. Um, and uh, of course, I really um, I, I love how God just you know organizes great teams and things um, because obviously my dad, brother Joel, and myself all have three different preaching styles, um, and so it's great uh, to see that. And to now to, we're going to see that through a book study, right? Um, the book of Micah, you just got me, right? That's it, right? All you got me is through the book of Micah. But through Hebrews, you're going to get all three of us. So um, I'm really excited about it. I've never done this before. I, I've never done it before. I don't know that I've ever, I mean, I guess probably somebody has, but I've never heard of anybody doing it before. Um, and so this is going to, be a, it's going to be really neat. I'm excited about it and just to see how it's going to build, uh, build on each other. So I'm uh, really excited about that. Um, but it'll be in a couple weeks. Uh, obviously, tonight we'll get through a little bit. Next Wednesday night... Um, I won't be teaching Micah. My dad will be teaching, but not, he's not starting Hebrews yet. Uh, because next Wednesday night, I actually get to teach in Master Club. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm like, nobody's ever asked me to teach in Master Club before, so I get to teach in Master Club for one, one Wednesday. So that's all they trust me with is one Wednesday. <laughs> What's that? Overqualified. <laughs> Uh, that's going to be great. So looking forward to that. And then we'll come back and finish Micah and then start, start the book of Hebrews. So Micah chapter 7 tonight, Micah chapter 7. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 7. Uh, verses, I know last week we kind of went through verses 1 through 7 and just kind of really showing uh, the heart of the prophet or the heart of the pastor and how Micah is, is pleading uh, for, for Israel and things. But as we come to verse number 7, and we're going to read verses 7 through the end of the chapter, verse number 20. He says, Therefore, I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, when I fall. I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. In the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria, and from the fortified cities, and from the fortress, even to the river, and from the sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein. For the fruit of their doings, 
Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood, in the midst of Carmel. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, and as in the days of old. According to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. The nation shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. I'm telling you, this is just an amazing passage here as we come to the end of Micah. Again, remember, Micah has been prophesying for many years now. Uh, almost 40 years, Micah has been prophesying. Again, we, we, read, we can read the whole book of Micah, which is just seven chapters. We could probably read it in 30 minutes but yet Micah has been prophesying and he's been preaching uh, for over 30 years and proclaiming this message of the Lord. And of course, his desire is that Israel would repent. His desire is that Israel would, uh, would turn back to God. And yet, there is, there's nothing happening. And so as we come to the end, as we saw in verses 1 through 6, Micah just kind of shares his heart as the prophet of God that God has sent and what he's doing and then as we come to verse number 7, think about what he says. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What do we do when it seems like all hope is lost? What do we do? What do we do when our country has no desire to turn back to God? let alone follow him? What do we do even when those who claim the name of our Savior have no desire to serve him? You understand, I'm not talking about America. I'm talking about Micah and Israel. Now, the correlation is very good, <laughs> right? I mean, we can correlate that with America even today. But this is what Micah is dealing with. This is what the prophet is dealing with. It seems as if all hope is lost. He's been preaching for 30 years, and no, there's no repentance. I mean, what do you do when your country, your people, have no desire to turn back to God? Those that are called by His name have no desire to follow Him. What do you do? Well, here's what Micah did. Micah says, I will look to God. I'll look to God. I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. I'll wait for his salvation, Micah says, because I know he hears. I mean, think about it. What confidence and faith that Micah has. Instead of responding with a depressing you know, it's so bad, or no one is following God. I mean, I've been preaching for so long, and nobody's following, so maybe it's time for me just to quit, and maybe it's time for me not to say anything else. No, he says, I'm just going to keep looking to the Lord. 
It doesn't matter what the rest of the nation does. It doesn't matter what the rest of the people do. It doesn't matter how many follow, how many don't. He says, I'm just going to keep looking to the Lord. If you hold your place here in Micah chapter 7 and turn with me to Psalms 121. In Psalms 121, the psalmist says something very similar to what Micah is saying here. In Psalms 121, he says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Now, again, he's, he's saying, look, I, there's, I need help. I, I'm in distress. I need somebody to help me. And he says, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up my eyes and look to the Lord. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Notice the, the, the key here, the repetition is the Lord, the Lord, he will do this, he will do this, the Lord, the Lord, he will do this. And yet so many times as Christians, we, we look at our country and uh, we, we look around us and we think, man, it's just everything's going bad, there's nothing going right, and, and even maybe in my family or in my home or in my job, and, and just nothing seems to be going right, it just seems like there, there's no hope anymore. And friend, what are you looking to? What are you looking to for hope? Are you looking to, at politicians? Is that where you're looking to get hope from? Are you looking to think, well, maybe if America could just turn around and, and you know, the economy could be stable again, then we could have hope. Look, you can't find hope in an economy. Well, maybe if we can just get the right people in power, or maybe if things will just turn around. Look, friend, you're looking in the wrong place for hope. And this is exactly what the psalmist says. I'm not going to look around here. I'm not going to look at what's going on here because if I'm looking around here, guess what? I'm going to get depressed. If I'm looking at everything that's going around here, I'm going to get discouraged because nothing ever goes right. I mean, maybe every once in a while things go right, but then what happens? It goes wrong again. So why am I looking to get hope from here? Why am I looking for hope in circumstances? Why am I looking for hope where there is no hope? And this is what he's saying, my hope comes from the Lord. And this is what the psalmist keeps saying, the Lord is where I'm going to do this. The Lord is it. And this is why Micah says, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I'll wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. What hope Micah has. The hope that he has. And look, I mean, I'll be very honest with you. America is pretty bad the way we are right now, but I don't think we're even close to what Israel was during this day. Not even close are we to what Israel was. And yet Micah, with all of that, with all the preaching, and there is the nation refuses to repent. And it's not just, it's not just Micah that's preaching. I mean, during this time, you have Micah, you have Isaiah, you have Jeremiah, you have Amos, you have Hosea. You have all these prophets that are preaching. And, and these are, we would say, great men of God. I mean, God used them to even put Scripture here. And nobody cares. Nobody listens to them. And so what does he say? My plea, my burden is that Israel would turn, but yet they're not turning. But you know what? 
I'm still going to keep looking to God. I'm still going to keep following the Lord no matter what happens. Now, in verse number 8, Micah begins to speak on behalf of Israel. He says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. You say, well, what enemy did Micah have? Micah's kind of placing himself in the next few verses. When Micah refers to himself, he's, he's kind of using himself as an analogy of Israel. So when he says, my enemy, he's not talking specifically about him. He's talking about the enemies of Israel, right? So watch what he says. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. So again, no doubt, remembering the promises of God toward Israel, he says to the enemies of Israel, don't be happy about our demise. Don't rejoice about our, about our downfall. <laughs> now, was Israel in a spiral downfall? Yes. The northern tribes have already been taken into captivity. It's just Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom, the southern tribes that haven't been taken into captivity yet. They're about to be. And so the nations around are looking and they're looking at God's people. These are God's people. This is the nation of Israel. This is the one that they heard of, right? I mean, remember when, when the spies, the two spies came into Jericho and, and Rahab speaks about, uh, they said, we have heard of your God. We are afraid. You, you, we are afraid of your God because of what he's doing. I mean, God was using Israel to show the nation, who, the world around who God was, but now, because the, the Israel was now following the path of the other nations in idolatry and just living for self and things, now these nations are watching as Israel is collapsing. They, they're imploding. They're being destroyed. And Micah says, hey, I know you're laughing at us. I know that you enjoy what is happening. <laughs> but he said, don't get too happy about it. Don't get too happy about it, right? Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Again, look at the confidence that Micah has. He says, look, I know we are on a downward spiral. He says, I know we're going into destruction. We're going into judgment. And he says, I know you see this. But don't get too happy about it. Because even though we are falling, what does he say? Watch. I shall arise. He said, look, yes, we are going to fall. We are going to be judged by God. But here's the promise of God. He's remembering God's promises. And he says, even through, through this time of despair and destruction, and, and he knows that things are not going to go well, he says, hey, I just want you to know, God promised he is going to bring us back. We, we will arise from this. This is not a total destruction. God promised that he would make a great nation and that God would bless and, and all these things. And he says, I, we're, we're holding God to his promise. God's going to do this. And so we will arise through this. We will come out of this. He knew they had fallen. And it brought joy to their enemies to see them destroyed. But he also knew the promises of God. When I fall... I shall arise. What a great truth. What a, what a great faith that Micah has, even for Christians to say, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. And there are going to be times when I fall, all right? What are you going to do when you fall? What are you going to do when you mess up? Because if you haven't messed up yet, you're going to. 
And I guarantee you, you've messed up. You know how I know? Because you're a sinner. I've messed up. You've messed up. We've all messed up. But what are we going to do when we mess up? Are we just going to sit there and, and wallow in our pity and be like, oh, man, I messed up. I can't believe it. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to just sit there and quit and wallow in self-pity and be like, poor me. If I really was a Christian, I probably would have done that. And, you know, he's going to try to get you to doubt and question. You know, Micah says, get up. Remember the promises of God. Don't forget God's promises. Hey, yes, you may have fallen, but you know what? That doesn't mean that he took eternal life from you. You are still his child. You still have eternal life. He still wants to use you. He still has a purpose for you. Get up. Let God do something with you. He says, I may fall, but I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm telling you, Micah, where did you come from, man? I mean, this, I'm, when I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, and believe me, there was going to be darkness. There was going to be a lot of darkness in Israel. The Babylonian Empire was going to come in. They were going to take them captive. They were going to haul them off to, to Babylon. Destruction brought upon Israel. He says, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. The Lord's going to be there. He said, even the darkness that I know we're going to be in, guess what? I know God's already there. God already knows what's going to happen. He already knows the darkness that I'm going to go through. And so when I'm sitting in darkness, he says, the Lord's going to be a light unto me. I can trust him. I can have confidence in him. There is hope. We, get, we, we listen to the news and we listen to the world and we listen to everybody else and everything is down and depressing and discouraging and we as Christians, we just like, Bleh. and we lose hope. Look, friend, there is something to hope about. His name is Jesus Christ. And he says, when I fall, I will rise again. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. He wants us to follow him even through the dark, darkness and the darkest of times. He said, I'm going to be there with you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not just going to leave you there and let you be there by yourself. He said, no, I'm going to be right there with you. You can trust me, he says. We may not enjoy falling. We may not enjoy the darkness. But we can know that God always keeps his promise. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What a comfort that Micah speaks <laughs> of in remembering the promises of God. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. What hope he has in our God. God would one day lift up his people by his mighty hand. He said, look, I know we're going to go into darkness. I know judgment is coming, but I know God's not going to leave us there. We are going to arise again because in darkness, the Lord is our light. He's our light in darkness. He's the one we can look to when everything else is bleak and everything else is dark and everything else is going wrong and everything else is depressing and discouraging. Hey, look to the Lord. He is the light in the darkness. Look what he says in verse number nine. <laughs> I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Again, remember, Mike is speaking for Israel here. I will bear the indignation of the Lord. Because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. 
He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. What is Micah saying here? What is he saying? He's acknowledging Israel's sin. He's acknowledging their sin. He says, I bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned. I've sinned against him. He said, we as a nation have sinned against our God. He is acknowledging their sin against God, and he's recognizing they deserve to be judged. Mike is saying, we deserve what we're going to get. Think about what he says. Because I have sinned against the, I'm going to bear this indignation. Because of our sin, we're going to bear this judgment. Because of our sin, we deserve to be judged. Because of our sin, we deserve to be punished, Mike is saying. What, What is going to come into our life as a nation is not something that is just by chance. No, it's because we deserve it. But look at what he says. He acknowledges Israel's sin and recognizing they deserve to be judged. And they deserved it, right? I mean, he says they they deserved it. Sure they did. But again, I'm not sure where Micah came from, but this guy, he had some pretty amazing insight. He said, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. So he says, we deserve the judgment, and we're going to bear the indignation. We're going to bear the judgment of God because of our sin until, now watch this, until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. I had to stop and reread that when I first read it because I was like, wait a minute, what did he just say? What is Micah saying here? He's saying, we deserve to be judged by God because we sinned against God. The judgment that is coming by God is just because we sinned against God. And we are going to be judged by God until he plead my cause. Until who plead my cause? God. This is amazing. Micah is saying, we deserve to be judged. This is, this is right. We're, we're bearing the indignation of God. And we will bear this indignation. We will bear this punishment, this judgment, until God pleads for us. God is bringing this judgment upon us because of our sin. But Micah is saying, God is going to be the very one who pleads for us. God is going to be the one stepping in, pleading on our behalf until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. This judgment that we're receiving is because of our disobedience, and we deserve it, and we're going to experience it. And as we're in it, guess what? It is God who is just in meeting this judgment and pouring out this punishment, but it is God who is going to step in and plead for us. What what an amazing God that says, hey, I am just and right in executing this judgment upon you, 
But even as I'm going to execute this judgment upon you, I want you to know I'm also going to be the one pleading for you. I'm going to be the one trying to step in. It is God who is bringing the judgment because of their sin, but Micah knows that it is God who will plead their cause. He said, God will bring me or Israel forth to the light, and I or we shall behold his righteousness. Micah says God's going to do it all. God's going to do it all. Not only is God just and right in bringing this judgment, he is the righteous judge delivering a just sentence, but he is also the advocate on our behalf. Can, can, you, can you get the picture? Right? Get a picture of a courtroom, right? Just kind of in your mind. I'm sure you've seen one on TV or something like that. Get a picture of a courtroom, right? You've got the judge, and he's, he's up there sitting on his throne. I don't know what you call it. Bench? Looks bigger than a bench, but I know they call it a bench, right? So the judge is up there, and he's sitting in his chair, and he's got, that, he's got the desk and everything around him, and the judge, I mean, he's the one that's going to make the decision, right? He's got the gavel, you know, and maybe he's wearing the black robe, whatever, and, and all he's got to do is pick up that gavel and, and bang it on the thing and say, guilty, and, and away we go. So here's the judge, and here is Israel as the, as the, the plaintiff or the defendant, and, and God is, is re- examining the case, and he's looking at all that Israel has done, and God, the righteous judge, takes that gavel after all that he's seen Israel do, and he slams the gavel down on the, on the table, and he says, guilty, you deserve judgment. And then he stands up from his bench And he walks down to where the defendant is, where the lawyers would be with those who are on trial. And he faces his own bench. And he says, I will plead for them. I'm going to advocate for the very ones that I just condemned. I'm pleading for them. And he says, I will do this. He said, I will bring them to this righteous light. He says, he will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Friend, is that not what God did for you and me? He is the righteous judge, and because of our sin, we are condemned to eternal separation from God. And he slams the gavel down, and he says, you're guilty. But then it's God who advocates on our behalf. He is the one who chose to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that we could be redeemed. Not through what we can do, but through what he did for us. The righteous judge says, you're guilty. And then the judge says, hey, but you are guilty, but I am going to redeem you. I'm going to plead for you. I will lay my life down for you. And if you will accept, you can be free. That's what Micah is saying. He's the righteous judge, but he is going to be the one pleading for us. He is not going to just leave us there. He is that light in the darkness. And he said, he will bring us forth to the light and shall behold his righteousness.
It's not our righteousness. It's His. His righteousness. Friend, what an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God that He would say, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. You deserve to die and spend eternity in the lake of fire. You deserve to be separated from me because of your sin. You're guilty, you're guilty. And then he steps aside and says, but let me plead for you. Let me plead on your behalf. Let me pay the price. And he sends his son, Jesus Christ, God, to die for our sins. He pleads for us. Why? That we might be brought to his righteousness. That's what he says. That he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Friend, that's what Romans 3 tells us. That when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he gives us his own righteousness. Because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And he gives us his righteousness. That's what our God does for us. He says in verse 10. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it. And shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of streets. Micah says, so when God does this, God says, yes, he's going to bring judgment, and the enemies are going to laugh. They're going to laugh, and they're going to mock, and they're going to say, hey, where's your God? Where's this God that you talk about so much? Where's this God that you said brought you out of Egypt? Look at where you're at now. Look at what you're doing. Mike says, don't laugh too soon because we're going to rise up. Don't laugh too soon because he, even though we're going to be in darkness, he's the light in that darkness, and he's going, to, he's going to plead for us. And he says, then she that is mine enemy shall see it. He says, the enemies are going to see what God has done. They're going to see God, yes, judge his children, but they're also going to see that God still has compassion on his children. And he's going to see, they're going to see God bring his children back. They're going to see this, and what will happen? And shame shall cover her, which said unto me, where is the Lord thy God? They had mocked them. By saying, where is the Lord your God? Even you go back to 2 Kings chapter 18 when the Babylonians are getting ready to come and, and conquer Israel and conquer Judah. When the, when the, the herald or the, the one that is sent by, by the Babylonians came and they're calling out to the walls, says, hey, don't let Hezekiah think that, that you're going to trust in your God. Look at what your God has done. Everybody else is destroyed. You're going to be destroyed just like them. You can't call on your God. Your God doesn't care about you. That's exactly what they said. They mocked. They said, where is the Lord thy God? Micah says, Israel will see those who mock the Lord cast down. He says, now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. Those that had mocked, made fun of them, Micah said, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. You know, sometimes it's, as Christians, we... We want to serve God. We want to follow God. We want to be obedient to God. But we don't get a lot of support from the world, do we? <laughs> there's not a lot of support there. A lot of times there's ridicule. A lot of times there's mocking. Tearing us down. 
what do we do? We keep looking to the Lord. We keep looking to the Lord. Why? Because God says one day they're going to see. One day they're going to recognize who God is. They may not recognize him now, and they may laugh, and they may mock, and they may do all these different things, but he says one day they're going to recognize who God is, and those who had mocked the Lord will cast down. He says in verse number 11, in the day that thy walls are to be built, in that day shall the decree be far removed. There would come a day, Micah says, again, Micah's looking at this judgment that is to come. He's looking at this judgment that's about to fall upon Israel, and he says, but in that day the walls are to be built. So he's looking beyond the judgment he's saying there would come a day when Israel would be rebuilt it was actually during the time of King Cyrus that that he allowed a remnant to return to Jerusalem under the the leadership of Ezra and as they returned they began to rebuild the temple why because the temple had been destroyed when Babylon came in they destroyed the temple but he says Micah says hey there's going to come a day when this is going to be rebuilt thy walls are to be built Even later on, 14 years later, after Ezra comes, and you can read about that in Ezra chapter 1 and read about how they were trying to rebuild the temple. And of course, again, even through the rebuilding of the temple, even though they had Cyrus's uh, approval and then later Darius as well, how they they came and the enemies tried to, to get them to stop and they accomplished it. They stopped building the temple. And then later in Nehemiah, Nehemiah hears and he says, hey, what's going on? People return from Jerusalem and they tell Nehemiah, man, it's not good. The temple hasn't been rebuilt and and the walls are falling apart. And Nehemiah begins to have a burden and says, man, I need to go back and help. And so then under Artaxerxes, Nehemiah is allowed with another group to return and they rebuild Jerusalem's walls. And and, and in just a few years, the the walls are rebuilt and the temple is rebuilt. Why? Because Micah is saying, hey, there is going to be a judgment, but I'm looking past that judgment. I'm looking to what God is going to do, what God wants to do. There is going to be a time when we will rise up and the walls will be rebuilt. He says in verse 12, and that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities and from the fortress, even to the river and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. People would come from all over to honor Israel. From Assyria, who God had used to bring judgment upon Israel. From Babylon, who God had used to bring judgment. From Egypt, all would come to Israel. All would come to honor. But some of this hasn't happened yet. Micah says, I know there's going to be the rebuilding, and we see the rebuilding through Ezra and Nehemiah. We see the temple being rebuilt, and of course, even during Jesus' time, Herod is there, and there's the temple, and then again, it's going to be destroyed again. The Romans come in 70 AD and, and destroy the temple again. But we know, again, one day God is going to rebuild it. The temple is going to be rebuilt. And there in Jerusalem, we know that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on the earth. Watch what he says in verse number 13. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. God says, Israel, I have a plan. You're going to be rebuilt. People are going to come from all over, right? In fact, we read about that earlier in the book of Micah. Remember, back in Micah chapter 4, 
Verse number two, many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. People would come from all nations to to Israel. They're going to come and they're going to worship the Lord, Jesus Christ, as he rules and reigns. But he says something is going to happen. In verse number 13, he says, Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. God says there's going to come a judgment upon the earth. There's going to come a judgment. He's already talked about the judgment upon Israel. Micah says we are bearing the indignation of God because of our sin. But Micah says there's also going to come a judgment on the rest of the earth. Just as... God judged Israel because of their sin. Micah says, so the rest of the world will be judged because of their sin and wickedness as well. And of course, we know that one day that is going to take place. One day during the tribulation, during the the tribulation, God is going to pour out his wrath upon the earth. You read to the book of Revelation and the book of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel, and you'll find uh, this 70th week of Daniel, the, the seven years of tribulation that God pours his wrath out. What do we find? Desolation. There's desolation upon the earth. Why? Why is God pouring his wrath upon the earth? Because of their sin. Because of their wickedness. And God says, just as he judged Israel, so one day the rest of the world will be judged. Friend, the one thing we have to remember is that we might look around and we might see the world mocking us for trying to live for Christ. And we might see the world making fun of us for trying to live godly. And we might have friends and family and relatives that laugh at us and call us names and mock us for doing what we believe God says is true. And yes, it hurts. And yes, it's not easy. And yes, there are times that we just want to say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm tired of the mocking and I'm tired of the ridicule. But friend, remember, one day God is going to judge. There's going to be a judgment that comes on the rest of the world. A judgment that, may I say tonight, we as Christians should not want anyone to go through. It's why God tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that we can help to get the gospel to those that have never heard, so that they can believe, so that they can escape that judgment that is going to come. One day God says, those who have mocked, those who have laughed, those who have ridiculed, those who have said, where is your God? Prove to us that there's a God. Show us your God. Why are you following the Bible? Why are you following these things? Why don't you just go along with everybody else? God says one day they will stand before him as well. And they will be judged. They'll be judged for their sin. They'll be judged for their wickedness. So what does that tell us? That tells us to be faithful. Be faithful. Keep doing what is right. Keep doing what God wants us to do. Keep being that witness for Jesus Christ so that others can know him, that they can escape that judgment that is going to come one day. He says there is going to be desolation. The the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. They're going to be judged because of their sin, their rejection of God. 
We know the Bible tells us, yes, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But if you keep reading, he tells us, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You see, the world is already condemned. The judge has already pounded the gavel and said, you're guilty. But that same judge that pleaded for you and me is pleading for them. That same judge that interceded on our behalf and sent his son to die for you and me is interceding on their behalf and sent his son to die for them as well. And it's up to us to be able to share the gospel with them. Is there hope in this dark, dreary, wicked, lost, depressing world? Sure there is. Not in the world, but in the Lord. Micah says, therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I know many times it can be discouraging as Christians and to live a holy and a godly life in this world. Lord, even friends and family members can mock us and ridicule us and laugh at us and call us names and the world definitely does all of those things. Lord, sometimes we might think it'd just be easier just to quit. Lord, help us to remember what Micah says. I will look unto the Lord my God. Lord, in darkness, you are the light that is there with us. Lord, we know. You know that one day we will stand before you. As your children, we will have to give an account of what we have done. And we know that one day the world will stand before you as well. If they have rejected you, they will spend eternity in a lake of fire. And Lord, help us never to forget that the God who judged us righteously and justly also pleaded and interceded for us. And the God who has judged them justly and righteously intercedes for them as well. Lord, help us in this dark world to have hope, a hope in Jesus Christ, and to be the light that you want us to be, that others might come to know you. I wonder tonight with their heads bowed and their eyes closed, no one looking about this evening, the piano maybe just play softly tonight. Maybe tonight, maybe you feel like, you know what? Sometimes I feel like I've just lost hope. I just feel like there's no hope. Everything's depressing and discouraging. And I just feel like I just feel like quitting. Friend, can I encourage you tonight? There is hope. There is hope. Look up. Look up to Jesus. Look to him. In the darkest of times, Micah says, I will look unto my God. I'll look unto the Lord. He hears me. He knows me. In the darkness that I'm in, He knows where I'm at. And He'll be the light that I need. Only Him.